Hello and welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod, Cody. We are already on to week six of the NFL season. I can't believe it's this far into the year already. Um, how have you uh, done so far in this fantasy year? Just give me a, a general temperature on uh, your team so far. Yeah, I think, um, and, and I was telling a lot of people this at draft time, this was by far the most prepared that I've been going into a fantasy Same. season. And I think that that is starting to kind of show on a lot of my rosters. Um, I was talking to two of the guys from, they're actually in two of my other leagues, and they were both just like, yeah, you have depth at every position. Like you just nailed your, you know, couple last round picks and waiver wire moves so far. So the records aren't as good as my as my roster is necessarily. Definitely needs uh, to keep up on the grind. But, you know, I think my worst record's two and three, and then three and two in the majority of my leagues, and four and one in another. So we're definitely above 500. Um, hopefully we can get the best bets for myself over 500 this weekend, <laughs> but besides the best bets, the fantasy side's going good. I can't complain. Uh, I think that, I mean, your knowledge combined with what I think and just kind of go bouncing back and forth off each other. I'm, I'm thrilled with the start of my season so far. How is, uh, how's yours been? I think mine's been all right. It's been a little bit of a mixed bag. I've had a few, I've had one league where I've had a lot of bad luck, you know, playing the highest score every week, uh, having some injuries. I had a Javante Williams share and Elijah Mitchell share. Um, but I think in general, like you said, the, the guys that we liked, in, in, in the totality are probably, you know, a 60% better than the industry average. It's not every single guy. I've missed a couple, but in general, I think we did a good job of bouncing our ideas off each other and coming up with uh, a better standard than, than most other the people have had going into the year. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with a lot of my teams. And, you know, I have, I have a few, few tough spots because of some injuries, but generally it's been a pretty good year so far. Um, today, we are going to get into a trade value segment situation here. We're going to give you some buy low guys that we really like. This is kind of a, uh, a good point in the year to really look at some you know, trade options in your league. There's going to be some guys that are either 1-4 or 4-1 that have depth or are needing to make a move, and uh, you can take advantage of some situations here. I, uh, I love making trades, Cody. It's probably my favorite part of, part of fantasy football. I don't know about you, but... Um, trades are, are really fun and I, I like giving this type of advice just because it's something I, I like uh, you know exploring my, on my own yeah for sure and and one thing I would say that is underrated about trading in general is just the negotiating just going back and forth telling someone why they're wrong and you're right and when you finally convince them and you get the trade to go your way you know very similar to how you kind of projected it or how you saw it going those are just good feelings so I think we got six guys here. Well, we have five guys here that I, I think that I would tend to agree with. There's one on your list I think is outrageous, but we'll get to that when we get there. Um, if, you, if you're cool, I'll go ahead and throw out, throw out my first name. Yeah, you go first. Sweet. So first guy I got, uh, kind of a big name, uh, but Joe Mixon, running back for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, has, has disappointed so far through this season, um, but he has a solid floor. He's getting enough work that – he hasn't busted um, in multiple weeks, so this isn't like a necessarily trade, you know, try and buy low because I think his his value is still going to be a little bit there because the person who who drafted him, you know, spent that into the first or early second on him. So, but I think looking forward to the rest of the season, 
you'd have to imagine their offensive line is just going to have to get at least a little bit better at some point, hopefully open up some better holes for Joe Mixon to kind of get some more of those chunk yardage plays. Um, and then I feel like we've kind of seen a little bit of a discombobulated Bengals defense with different injuries here and there, and then, of course, the battle line play. So um, if the Joe Mixon owners one and four and they have to go out there and get a win this week, I would see if you could package a two-for-one for Joe Mixon. Yeah, I don't mind buying low on Mixon right now. I think, like you said, his role has been pretty encouraging, and he's been about as inefficient or inefficient as he could be in the role he's had, and he's still been – I mean, I actually don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm going to guess he's still a top 15 back just because of his volume and the, the scores that he's had. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a good bet uh, right now that Mixon will improve his efficiency and have some bigger games. And I, I just – I don't think there's a world where they turn to Samaj P. Ryan or, you know, Chris Evans in this offense. I think Mixon's still going to get a lot of the work no matter what. Um on my side, I'm going to go with my first one. I think this might be the one that you are uh, outraged about to this point. And it's somebody we've been really low on, uh, really from the start of the year. And we've kind of nailed it to this point. But my first buy low candidate is DJ Moore, wide receiver of the Carolina Panthers. He's been horrible so far this year, as has the whole offense. But uh, coaching changes just have a way of creating opportunities for these type of guys. Um, and I, I think the other thing here with DJ Moore that is kind of the, the big factor is that you're really not going to have to give up a lot. I mean, this is like a bench player that your your uh, you know opposing manager is interested in. I think he should be super cheap right now, and he has the talent to be a top 12 wide receiver. We've all seen it. He's uh, a very talented player. He's never really had the quarterback play, but... I think if he gets in a situation where the offense, you know, is able to find a way to get him the ball, he can he can have a really good second half here and might actually be a valuable option for you, Cody. Uh, tell me why I'm extremely wrong about this. Baker Mayfield is is the first thing that comes to mind when you bring up DJ Moore right now. And even though with the coaching change, I, I don't know if the coaching change is going to be able to help Baker Mayfield that much. So that's, that's my biggest concern when it comes to DJ Moore. Now, you do make good points when it comes to you could probably get him for a bench player at this point because DJ Moore most likely is droppable in the majority of leagues depending on who's on your waiver wire. So double-check that and make sure he didn't get dropped. But if he's still rostered and you have faith that the coaching change can help him, I, underst- I can understand trying to make the move, but... Um, at this point, I, I like DJ Moore, the player. Like you said, he's he has the talent of a top 12 wide receiver. He looks good, but just this offense is very stagnant right now. I don't think a coaching change is going to come in here and make Bay, Baker Mayfield look like a good quarterback. If we just go back to his Browns days, there weren't very many pass-catching options that were fantasy relevant you know, on a consistent basis. And I think DJ Moore is just kind of getting the, the bun into that here in Carolina. So I'm going to stay away from DJ Moore, but... You, you have me a little bit convinced with the fact you could just give up some ancillary piece and probably just get a talented wide receiver on your roster. Yeah, he's a bench receiver for now, for sure. We're not starting him uh, next week or probably even the week after, especially because P.J. Walker will be the quarterback. But yeah, I, I think a speculative trade for on D.J. Moore is a good idea just because I really like the talent. And sometimes these, these coaching changes just have a way of turning things around. I understand your skepticism. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, I didn't. I forgot the up, they're upgrading to PJ Walker this weekend. So maybe <laughs> I will make a DJ more move. Yes, they are. All right, my my second guy. I'm actually going to group two of them together because I think you could go for either or here, and that's going to be Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. Um, this one very similar to Joe Mixon, probably going to be a little bit of tough, little tough for you. Probably going to have to do a, a two for one kind of deal or trade up another good asset straight up for them. Um, but I I like the move for either of them. They're both getting healthy. Um, obviously, this is a playoff team. Tom Brady has you know been solid with basically nobody. So when he gets these guys back fully healthy, I feel like they're going to have great rest of their seasons. Um, Again, I'd say both of my first two are kind of tough because you're going to have to give up a little bit to get them. But, when, you know, week six, you kind of got to start gearing up for that playoff run. And I think that these are the kind of guys that you want on your team come, uh, you know, November, December, towards the end of the season. So Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, if you can go for one or the other, I, I think that that's a great option for you. Yeah, I got to be honest. I think this is a little bit more of a buy medium. I don't know how low either one of these guys is right now, but I do agree with the sentiment just because I was really encouraged with how much they threw the ball last week. Seems like they're getting back to more of that Aryan-style offense they had in the last two years. And, um, you know, uh, especially because this game was not a back-and-forth affair. I mean, they were winning it basically right. the whole time until the very end. Atlanta scored a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and Brady still ended up with over 50 passes. So, yeah, uh, as Godwin gets healthier, as Evans, you know, he, he has ebbs and flows every game. That's kind of just how his, his role is. I like both of them a yeah. lot the rest of the year. They should be more their 2021 selves than their 2022 selves to this point the rest of the year. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It's it's tough because, yeah, these aren't buy low candidates for those two guys. You're going to have to give up something of value little, to go yeah. out there and get them. But I think that they're, they are they are going to be more impressive rest of season than they obviously have been through the first five weeks. So I think you could still get them at somewhat of a reasonable value, and then they could uh, boom on your team multiple times. Yeah, I like I like investing in this Buccaneers offense a rest of year uh, for sure. And my second buy low candidate is a little bit more of a straightforward candidate than my first one, I believe. That's Jalen Waddle, wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. This is just a bet on talent here, and I think you know right now with Skylar Thompson at the helm and a really slow couple games here for Jalen Waddle coming off the injury and then having the tough uh, again the tough game where he's kind of hobbled and has Skyler Thompson at quarterback in his first NFL game I think you might be able to convince a this is mostly in a redraft situation I don't think any sort of keeper or dynasties uh, league is going to you know and, and neither one of those managers that's going to be paying attention is going to panic about this but in a redraft league Jalen Waddle could be had for a reasonable price and I think once Tua comes back, you know, we're going to see a guy that was a top 12 wide receiver while Tua was in the lineup get back to that form. And if you are, this is probably for teams that have a winning record right now. You might have to wait a couple weeks uh, while Tua's on the mend. But I like Waddle once, uh, once Tua returns a lot uh, just because of his talent. Yeah, I think Jalen Waddle is the kind of guy that, you know, we've kind of pointed out a couple times throughout the podcast, but I, I definitely missed on Jalen Waddle. I just didn't think Tua was going to be able to support two uh, top fantasy wide receivers, and I we were both completely wrong on that. When Tua was healthy and both receivers were out there, they, they produced for fantasy football, so... You're right. This is going to be a. This is kind of segmented to your five and zero, four and one, 
maybe three and two teams with a really good roster trying to make this move. Yeah. But I, I do agree that if you can get Jalen Waddell in, again, he's, he's just going to be kind of going getting back into form right at the time that you need him to for fantasy playoffs. So I think that I think that's probably the my favorite one that you threw out here on this list. And Cody, I want you to get to your next guy because he actually would have been number four on my list. He was in consideration with uh, uh, with the third choice here, and I, I like this one a lot. Yeah, Mr. George Kittle, uh, tight end, San Francisco 49ers. Um, I was a little bit iffy suggesting this one uh, just because he has been pretty rough even whenever he is out there, but... Um, if you can go out there, go get him this week. He has Atlanta and then KC. Both of them like to give up points to the tight end uh, for fantasy purposes. And it's it's George Kittle. Like if you are you know someone that's rolling out you know basically anyone besides Goddard, um, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, like George Kittle should be someone that you're looking to target. Um, even uh, this is kind of what I had thought about. And I want to get your opinion on this. If you could trade Tyler Higby for George Kittle straight up, would you do that? A hundred percent. Yeah, I wouldn't even think about it. Right. If it was I think that's PPR something league, that I might hesitate slightly, but I would still probably take Kittle. Yeah, I, I think that's something that, especially in a full PPR league, something you can get done a one for one just because of Higby's insane PPR value right now, but. I mean, Kittle in a full PPR, Kittle's ceiling so far this season is seven and a half points. So he definitely has not been producing to the levels that we know he can. And he kind of hasn't for a while because he had a rough end of the year last year. So um, I think if someone drafted him as their tight end one and they've been having to the kind of stuck streaming options or just not getting a lot of points out of there, and you picked up a Higby or someone of that line, I would try and make that move and, and go upgrade at a position that's really going to matter come playoff time. Yeah, I like I said, I totally agree with this one. I considered putting him as my third option. I just wanted to sneak a running back on there just because I know a lot of people are, are looking that way right now. But, uh, yeah, George Kittle is just – this is, again, this is more, mostly a bet on talent, not really a bet on the numbers so far. His targets have started to go up slowly. He really hasn't had any big games at all, but – I've seen this man torch my Broncos for over 200 yards in a single game. I've seen him, you know, just, just be an athletic freak in on an NFL field, and that's somebody that I want on my squad. I think he's going to win somebody a week really soon, and it should be you if uh, you don't have one of Dallas Goddard, Travis Kelsey, or Mark Andrews. I think Kittle would be my fourth tight end rest of season. Um, my third trade for candidate may not be as popular as Cody's third trade for candidate is in my eyes, uh, in his eyes, but I'm going to give it anyway. That's AJ Dillon. That's running back for the green Bay Packers. This one makes me a little nervous as well. Honestly, Cody, um, cause I'm not exactly sure what to make of last week. Only six carries against the New York giants, a game that you would have thought Dillon, uh, would have gotten a decent amount of work in less than 40% of the snaps also concerning, but I'm betting on last week's low touch count just being mostly an anomaly. I think he'll fare better when the Packers are winning. They play the Jets and the Commanders the next two weeks, and his workload has been pretty consistent to this point other than, you know, the week five outing against the Giants. And I think, you know, running backs are just going to be harder to come by as the bye weeks come up here. And a guy like A.J. Dillon that's going to probably get 15-ish touches a week is going to fall into the end zone more than he has so far, only one score. I like buying low on A.J. Dillon right now if you can get a manager that is a little scared about his low workload last week. 
Yeah, I, I like A.J. Dillon a lot, actually. I think that I, – I don't know if I would have included him on my list because I think at the running back position I just liked uh, trying to go after Joe Mixon a little bit more. But I have a couple names for you. Um, just throw out there um, against A.J. Dillon. Just kind of want to get your – Temperature check here. Uh, first one, I think I know how you're going to go. Clyde Edwards-Alaire or A.J. Dillon rest of season? A.J. Dillon. Yep, I figured. Easy enough. A.J. Dillon or Brees Hall rest of season? Oh, Brees Hall. Not even close. Awesome. And then last one. So this one's going to be kind of a three-parter. A.J. Dillon, James Robinson, or Travis Etienne rest of season? Oh, man. You're really pulling at my heartstrings right now. Um, that's a really <laughs> tough one. I... Wow. Um, I, I think it's going to be format specific here. So I'm going to say in non-PPR, Dylan Robinson, ETN, full PPR. I'd go ETN, Dylan Robinson. And then in half PPR, <laughs> in half PPR, I'm going to go Dylan, ETN, Robinson, but not very confidently. I think they, that, that was a really good line that you made there with the Jacksonville running backs. It's, it's hard for me to make that uh, distinction, but I, I think Dylan would be the guy I'd take just kind of in general there based on confidence in the offense. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. I think that we'll have some interesting talk uh, when we talk about Jacksonville this week because I think their running back room uh, kind of got uncloudy for a couple weeks and now just got clouded yeah, right back up. So really tough to see, but yeah, I, I don't mind A.J. Dillon. I think he's kind of right in there in that, that category. I, I would I would also go Brees Hall. I would also go A.J. Dillon over uh, Clyde for the rest of the season. And then, I don't know. I'm going to have to look a little bit into the some – maybe – I probably won't re-watch the Jags game if I'm being honest because I don't want to watch 19 points get put up. But I just want to kind of maybe look at some stats, see what happened there, and see if I can find a reason why – uh, ETN got so much work there before I had to make that call. But, um, yeah, I think, like I said, five out of six of these I tend to agree with. DJ Moore, I just – I get it because you're going to have to basically give up close to nothing to get him. So if you if you want to make that move, I get it. Yeah, that's that's a, mostly a gut call with the coaching change and just believing in the talent of DJ Moore at the end of the day, hoping that they find a way to get him involved. Uh, we'll see. He is very cheap right now, so that's, that's the, biggest, the biggest note there. Um, uh, so moving on from the trade value segment, we're still going to give you a week three preview this week. Uh, excuse me, a, a, a Thursday night football preview, not a week three preview. Week six Thursday night football preview here. It's just a, you know, a game that is not going to take us very long because there's not a lot of fantasy options uh, between the Commanders and the Bears. Uh, before I do that, I want to get into some news and notes real quick that I have so far. Speaking on a Tuesday night, we don't have a ton uh, as far as injury updates go. We'll just give you a few big ones we didn't hit for the uh, the Week 5 recap. Damian Harris is going to miss a couple weeks with his hamstring injury, so Ramondre Stevenson owners rejoice. Cody, uh, congratulations. Devontae Adams yep. may get suspended for shoving a cameraman after Monday night. He is on a bye this week, so you won't have him in week six, and you might not have him in week seven. Uh, we'll see what happens there, but Devontae Adams, a, a mental blunder on the way off the field. And then Baker Mayfield, he suffered a high ankle sprain. He's going to miss a couple weeks. It's going to be P.J. Walker or Sam Darnold if he returns, but um, yeah, just again, this is a, a wait and see on D.J. Moore, so just just bear with me there, guys. Um 
Yeah, for sure. The, the Devontae Adams thing sucked. The The one thing I want to say about Devontae Adams, it was definitely a, you know, a lapse of judgment, but he literally just got off the field after Hunter Renfro and him collided on fourth and whatever and had a bomb downfield that could have won them the game. Like Emotions are running high. He's been a high-character guy, so like I don't, I'm not going to hold that against him. One thing I hated to see was I got on Twitter after the – I didn't even see it happen live. I got on Twitter after the game whenever I was – preparing for our show and I saw like 25 tweets with the video of him doing that and like I get it like he's a star so those kind of things are going to get spread but like that just sucks for him because he's been such a high character guy literally his entire career that he does one bad thing after his team goes one and four and he gets ran into it in the game pretty much and then it's just all over social media everybody's talking about it I just feel a little bit bad for the person in Devontae Adams. Definitely a lapse of judgment. I'm not saying he should he should get whatever punishment the NFL hands down, but just the social media, I think almost overreaction of it almost made it seem worse than if you like if you went back and watched it now, you'd be like, Oh damn, why'd he do that? But not not the same reaction that social media gave it. I thought it was a little bit overblown. Yeah, I think the cameraman bears some responsibility here for just his lack of awareness of basically cutting Devontae off in that situation. Obviously, Devontae did not expect him to be there, but like you said, just can't shove him in that situation. I mean, he's an innocent bystander at that point, and you're an NFL athlete, so uh, Devontae's going to have to bear yeah, that's... the responsibility there. Unfortunately, it may have been a little unfair how visceral the reaction was, though, to your point. Um, yeah. Getting to this Thursday night preview here, we have the Washington Commanders at the Chicago Bears. I I don't know how this game made it on to Thursday night uh, football, but we are going to have to watch it nonetheless. A week after the incredibly exciting Colts and Broncos game, we get Bears-Commanders. Chicago's favored by one in this one. This line has actually bounced between the Commanders being favored by one and the Bears being favored by one a couple times now. I've been checking it. Uh, the over-under is 38, an extremely exciting 38. Uh, if I had to pick this game, I would pick whoever has the points when the game starts. Right now it's Washington. I'll take them plus one. Uh, and I would take the over on 38 because I don't really think either one of these defenses is very good. But my confidence level is a 2 out of 10, Cody. I, I'm not suggesting betting on the line in this game at all. I think it's definitely a coin flip. And, you know, I don't know how you feel about it, but I would not be touching the line here uh, for either team. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to be betting this one, at least not not straight up. Maybe some player props or something like that just to keep me interested in this, you know, overly thrilling Thursday night football game that we have. But, um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think if I'm betting it, if I'm going to bet any of just the straight-up lines, I'm just going to take the under because the under in prime time has been hitting at, like, an all-time rate so far this year. Not saying that's going to continue, but – I don't know. I, I don't have a good beat on any, on either side, so I'm just going to kind of ride with you know the way things have been going so far this season. But, again, I'm with you there. My confidence level is low. I'm honestly not going to bet the under because I don't want to have to sit here and you know sweat out <laughs> 38 points. So, um, But if I, had to, if, I, like, if I had to make a decision on one, I would just take the under on, overall. Yeah, I, I'm not touching either one, to be honest with you, since it's a coin flip game to me. Um, I, there is a few long shot bets that I like, though, and I'll get to those real quick. First one uh, is the lowest odds of the group here, uh, but 
I like this one. It's a Brian Robinson Jr. anytime TD plus 270. I think if they get on the goal line, he's going to be the guy. That's basically the gist of it. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a chance that Washington just kind of tries to get Brian Robinson a touchdown. Just, you know, the whole narrative with his comeback is a positive one. And a plus 270 as a starting running back on the commanders at this point, I, I like his odds. Yeah, was he? does he have the best odds of commanders running backs? No, I think him and know? Gibson are actually tied at plus 270. Okay, gotcha. That's what I was in the middle of looking up. So, yeah, I agree with that also because I would imagine – if we honestly thought about it, I would assume Brian Robinson would have shorter odds than Antonio Gibson just the way that I think should. the team talks about the two. And, yeah, I do too. So we've kind of been on these, like, secondary running back options on Thursday night potentially getting in the end zone, and I'm not sure any of them have hit yet, but I will say I do agree with Brian Robinson anytime touchdown at plus 270 is a solid bet. Yeah, I agree as well. Uh, this next one is just kind of taking advantage of an injury situation. That's Logan Thomas. He's banged up. He did not practice on thir- on uh, excuse me on Tuesday. Looks like he's going to miss this game. It's John Bates as the first touchdown of the game at plus twenty eight hundred. Logan Thomas is still listed on the odds last time I checked, and he has shorter odds than Bates. And it looks like he is just you know has the advantage of the injury designation not being final yet. So. I would go ahead and take this line if you could. Again, I'm kind of swinging for the fences with my bets here just because I'm not comfortable taking any of the the even money in this game. Yeah, I I don't mind this. I think this is just taking advantage of the books, not, you know, adjusting to the Thomas injury. So, uh, again, kind of a long shot bet out there. But if you don't mind, you know, taking long shot bets, I think it's a solid one for the week. And then this last one is just a little parlay that I put together. Um, it's it's including an under for Cody because I know he loves the under in this game. It's Chicago winning the game, Washington winning the first quarter, and under 37.5 at plus 1,000. I think this should be kind of a, a back-and-forth low-scoring affair. If Washington receives the kickoff and kicks a field goal on their first possession, ends up winning the first quarter, and then Chicago pulls out the win in a low-scoring game, you'll win this one at plus 1,000. That's 10-1. to 1. Uh, excuse me, yeah, plus 1,000 to 10 to 1. That's that's not bad odds for me uh, in a game I think could easily turn out this way. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it in the show, Doc. I didn't quite hear you correctly, but Chicago to win overall, Washington to win the first quarter, and then under 37 and a half, is Correct. that right? yep. Awesome, yeah, I don't mind that either. I mean, that's just uh, a lot of, honestly, in a game like this, like, putting together little three-leg three, way, three leg plus 1,000 parlays are going to be the way to keep you interested. Because if you bet Washington or you bet Chicago and you're just stuck watching those two offenses try and score points, you're probably going to want to just turn the TV off. So I, I agree with Nick on a lot of these. I'm going to be like I'm like I already said I'm not going to bet it probably straight up. I'll probably just put together two little three or four leg parlays with different player props or a prop similar to this and just kind of keep track of the game that way. So I think that's good to do when we're you know watching some of these bad Thursday night football games or bad prime time games in general. Yeah, uh, I agree. That's kind of the way I'm 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 leaning, especially in this low scoring affair. At least Vegas projects it to be a pretty low scoring affair. Uh, you know, not trying to bet on either one of these teams. You might as well just be betting on a coin flip at that point. Um, but getting to the fantasy impacts of these guys, uh, this is going to be a shorter segment than usual for this one. Uh, on the Washington side. I think at the quarterback position, Carson Wentz, I am avoiding him this week. I just don't like betting on his uh, his production in such a low over-under in this game. I feel like the Washington offense might not have to throw 
as much as they have. Wentz has been really relying on volume to have fantasy success so far. And uh, on the running back side, I think Brian Robinson Jr. is the only guy you're considering for the Commanders. Chicago's been a pretty good matchup for running backs, but I think uh, you kind of just have to take a wait and see approach with these guys. Neither one of or all. There's just been a three-headed committee last week when Brian Robinson came back, so I'm expecting that to continue to at least some degree until Robinson emerges as the you know only guy getting carries on first and second down. It's going to be hard for me to recommend starting him. Yeah, I I agree there. I, with both Wentz and Brian Robinson, I'm I'm gonna try and avoid Wentz. Um, but if you have to, if he's your, you know, best option out there, I, I totally get having to throw him in. Just the low over under is gonna kind of scare me off of Wentz. Just Vegas doesn't project a lot of points in this matchup, so it'd be hard as fantasy players too. And then the running back room, I completely agree. Um, I guess my only question for you, you know, J.D. McKissick in a PPR, do we still consider him a deep PPR flex option? Or even with, with Robinson coming back, we're just kind of waiting on all three still? I think McKissick would be a PPR option in the right matchup, but this one just does not present the throwing upside that I think you'd need for McKissick to be a valuable piece. You know, I think he's relied on, again, Carson Wentz, having to throw the ball 40 times and when he when that happens he gets five to seven of those dump offs and has you know five, his five to seven point baseline from a ppr standpoint but i think in this one you could see a situation where wentz throws 25 to 30 times and mckissick only gets three targets and ends up kind of goosing you from the, the running back spot there yeah, I, I tend to agree. I just wanted to, to point out McKissick because we, we were throwing him in that flex, you know, flex kind of option for a, for a couple weeks, but I think we're both kind of off of him until we see how this backfield's going to play out. That as well. But yeah, game script's a big one for me with McKissick in this game, especially. Um, the, the wide receivers, I think McLaurin and Samuel, uh, we're, again, we're expecting Dotson to miss this one with his hamstring injury, so I'm assuming he is out here. Uh, McLaurin and Samuel are the two guys you're considering. I'm not chasing DME Brown's two long touchdowns from last week. Uh, I think they're both basically low-end wide receiver threes for me in this one. Even though the matchup's not that tough, I, I just, again, don't love this over-under. I think the the volume as far as passing goes for Washington is going to be lower than normal, and uh, both these guys have the chance to kind of let you down unless they, they get in the end zone, so... Uh, McLaurin and Samuel, both low-end wide receiver threes for me, but uh, I'm not super excited to start them. Yeah, I'm not excited to start them, but I would say in, in most situations, like if you have McLaurin or Samuel in our league, for instance, like you're going to be starting them this week. It's just managing expectations, which is kind of easy to do with these guys because the expectations shouldn't be that high anyway. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, wide receiver three to flex level, depending if you're in, you know, full PPR or all the way to non PPR. So I think it's this, these two to me are just completely dependent on who you have on your roster. Um, I don't, I guess like just to throw a name out there, would you start both of these guys over Deontay Johnson or would you start Deontay over both of them or if you'd want to order them? I think I would go. I think I would go Deontay ahead of both these guys with the target share that he got last week, and uh, I think they're going to need to throw against the Bucks more than the Commanders will need to throw against the Bears here. So, I think I would go Deontay, McLaurin, and then Samuel, uh, McLaurin above Samuel just for the upside. And full PPR might lean Samuel over McLaurin, but I think I would go Deontay first in that situation. 
Fair enough. And then another name here for you, uh, Christian Kirk coming off a pretty dud week for Jacksonville. Um, him, McLaurin, or Samuel? Um, I think I'm still going to lean Kirk. I'm kind of just believing that last week was just a bad day at the office for Jacksonville, as we talked about in the review show. I, I believe in this offense more than I don't. Uh, and Kirk has already had a good game against Indy this year. He's going to be in a dome in good conditions. I don't see any reason that he can't do the same in that one. Yep, for sure. And then just one more, because I feel like I feel like those two. I agree, they're both both better options to me. But in a potential flex scenario, Devin Singletary, McLaurin, or Samuel. I like Devin Singletary a lot, especially in that Kansas City game. You want pieces. Uh, there's going to be a lot of points put up. There's going to be a lot of plays on both sides, lots of yards. So uh, Devin Singletary wouldn't be that close. Gotcha. Yeah, you, I can tell you are not excited to start these guys. <laughs> no, not at all. But, yeah, I mean, Devin Singletary has an over-under 54 in his game. This over-under is 38. So just uh, Vegas thinks there's going to be 16 more points in the KC Bills game. There's just – more points, more opportunity for fantasy scoring. So I, I think that's just really what it comes down yeah. to. Um, yeah, for sure. And moving on to Chicago, this is a pretty quick discussion for me. It's David Montgomery and it's no one else. I'm really comfortable state of starting David Montgomery. Washington's actually been a pretty tough matchups for running backs this far. Uh, other than, you know, Derrick Henry had a good week last week uh, because he had the volume to get there. He had 28 carries, only 102 yards. That's not great on the per carry basis. He scored twice. So he had a good week from fantasy perspective, but I'm still starting Montgomery just because his volume is there and the bears are going to be committed to the run. As we know, uh, the rest of the options, Justin Fields, we're just kind of hoping to continue to see this offense, let him open it up a little more. Um, and, if you're desperate, you can throw him in the 2BQB league, but I probably wouldn't even go uh, that way in that situation. And then Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet are both just bench stashes at the moment. I like Mooney probably a little bit more than Coney does long-term. I think there's a chance that Chicago opens up this offense at some point. Yeah, I mean, I've been stashing Mooney in our league because I, I just can't find someone that I find him worth dropping because, you know, if we just look back to the end of last year, Darnell Mooney was a – 100% plug-and-play guy for fantasy. Like You didn't even question if you should start him. So I'm still hoping that that's still somewhere in there. I mean, it's the same guy throwing him the football. It's just the offense has completely changed. And just a couple of stats about this offense, and then we can wrap it up here. Uh, Cooper Cup currently has as many receptions as the entire uh, Chicago Bears offense. Love that 45. One. Yeah, and one more if I have it here still. I think, um, oh, yeah, uh, there's been 88 passes thrown through the first five weeks, 17.6 per game, fewest by any team since 1982. Excellent. There's no way that that keeps up. There's no chance in a passing era of football that they can continue to manage a game like this, at least not be able to do this and keep your job. For multiple years, so I, I this yeah I again in most leagues I don't think or in shallower leagues like Darnell Mooney you can drop him because I'm sure there's someone out there worth picking up. But if you're in a deeper league where you have to stash guys because the waiver wires thin, Darnell Mooney's definitely someone worth just you know keeping in your last bench spot and hoping that the the Bears can turn it around because we've seen it. It is possible. Yeah, I, I like the talent of Darnell Looney. He made an absolutely amazing one-handed catch last week. I don't know if you're watching that Bears-Vikings yeah. game, but it was awesome. Sick catch. He is just 
he's really good at football. So if they ever decide to throw him the ball seven to nine times a game like they were supposed to, then I think he'll be good at football. So uh, hopefully they decide to, uh, again, open up the offense just a little bit more. Yep, for sure. But, yeah, like we said, we didn't have too much to bring to you. I think we ended up almost getting about 10 minutes in there on, on that Thursday night football Impressive. preview. So we got – yeah, we got some good – we got some good comparisons out there. But if there's a certain matchup that you are trying to decide between, shoot that in the comments. Shoot us a DM. Let us know. We'd be happy to kind of, you know, help you out, make help you make those decisions, uh, everything like that. But, uh, Nick, do you have anything for the people before we let them go here? No, you guys, good luck uh, in your Thursday night matchups and any bets that you take. And uh, I'm praying for a John Bates touchdown uh, in the first quarter. That'll that'll make me pretty happy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you don't watch the game, tune in on Friday. We'll we'll give you a short recap. That that's probably what it'll be worth on our on our week six preview or uh, preview episode. So yeah, stay tuned for that. But besides that, peace out, everybody. See you guys. Good luck.